0: prayer for illumination. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, open our understanding that we may receive the word of life. Amen. The first reading is Psalm 103, verses 1 through 13, entitled, Of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits. Who forgives all our iniquity, who heals all our diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding, in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, So far he removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. Holy wisdom, holy word.
1: Thanks Thanks be to God. Sometimes you'll catch Christians saying things like, the God of the Old Testament only knows wrath, and the God of the New Testament is mercy, and you read a psalm like that, and you go, I think I think uh, our Jewish siblings of old knew something about God's mercy as well. Uh, I failed to mention earlier that the flowers that are with us, we've had uh, two memorials the last couple days for Howard Lowry on Friday and Altimoser, uh yesterday. We also have a memorial for um, Dorothy Frisbee this afternoon at Sheddinger that's uh, any of you are welcome to come to, uh, and it's, it was both, both occasions were uh, beautiful and, and sad in in the best way, and uh, hopefully did honor to these uh, two giants uh, in our community. Uh, our gospel reading is from Matthew chapter eighteen verses twenty one to thirty five Then Peter came to him and said. To him, Lord, if my brother or sister sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times. Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but I tell you, seventy seven times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him, and he could not pay. And the Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payments to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him saying, Have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, said, Pay me what you owe! And his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slave saw what had happened... They were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all of that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So, will my Heavenly Father do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart? Gulp. <laughs> the Gospel of the Lord. Let's pray. To you, Christ. Let's pray. God of debts forgiven, you call to account our hunger for power. You disturb our hierarchies which crush the weak. Break the vicious cycles of revenge and domination. That we might look to him whose mercy never ends. Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. This morning, we begin a five-week series on some of Jesus' parables towards the end of the Gospel of Matthew that I'm entitling, Tell It Slant. Emily Dickinson has a poem that says, Tell all the truth, but tell it slant. Success in circuit lies too bright for our infirm delight. The truth's superb surprise as lightning to the children eased With explanation, kind, the truth must dazzle gradually, or every man be blind. This is what Jesus is doing with his parables. He tells us the truth, but he tells its slant with mystery and, and open questions. And this should not surprise us. If Jesus is actually revealing something about God to us, then we shouldn't expect it to be easy to understand. The fullness of God is too much for us to handle all at once, and so Jesus dazzles us gradually so as not to blind us. And right off the bat, we should remember this week and over the next five that parables are not allegories in which we try to find one character who stands for another. We read each parable and go, okay, which one's God? And i got to slot God into that character. That's far too simple to understand the complexity of parables. And this parable has been one of my favorites over the years. Because I'm convinced that it's part of Jesus' stand-up comedy routine. And I think this story is hilarious, but I noticed that none of you laughed on the first time around. So let me try it again and see if I... Get a better response this time. So Peter comes to Jesus saying, hey, you know, how many times should I forgive? And I think he's feeling pretty good about himself. Seven times, good amount. And Jesus says, you are not thinking big enough, Peter. Try 77 times. And then he tells a parable that's meant to illustrate how far our forgiveness should go. He says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. I must be telling it wrong. Again, why are you not laughing? <laughs> this is funny stuff. Didn't you hear what he just said? 10,000 talents? And talents, this is not a singing and juggling. No, talents are the largest economic unit, the largest currency available at the time. So... Let's do a little math quick this morning because nothing is funnier than math. <laughs> there we go. Now we got something going. There are two debts named in this story. The first is 10,000 talents, and the second is 100 denarii. Well, one denarius was equal to one day's wage for the common worker. And one talent was equal to around 6,000 denarii, which means one talent equals 20 years' wages. And 10,000 talents equals 60 million denarii, which equals 200,000 years' wages. Are you beginning to get the joke? (laughs) I am convinced that when Jesus first told this parable, everybody burst out laughing. I mean, how could anyone get into that much debt? What did he spend it on? Like a chariot with some souped-up stereo system? I mean, how much does that go for? Uh, How many vacation homes in the Mediterranean can a brother buy? It's so ridiculous. But wait, there's more. (laughs) The king threatens to sell the slave and his wife and children, and then this guy falls on his knees and says, Have patience with me, and I'll pay you everything. What? Where are you going to get the money to do this? It's so absurd. It's laughable. This man's only hope, his only hope is to beg for mercy. But notice he doesn't ask for it. Nevertheless, it's exactly what he receives. The king has pity on him, releases him and forgives him. And I love that imagery, the release and the forgiveness. That's what forgiveness is. Nadia Boltz-Weber says that when someone hurts us, it connects us to them like a chain. And forgiveness are the bolt cutters that break that chain, saying to the other person, I won't be tied to you or to this hurt anymore. I love that. Uh, The Greek word for forgiveness is afimi, and it literally means to send away. See, we often associate forgiveness with like being a human doormat, letting everybody walk all over us, but that's not it at all. Forgiveness takes incredible strength. It is not easy and it is costly. But the alternative is remaining chained to a hurt that cannot be undone. Now in this story, you'd think that being forgiven such an absurd amount would result in a life of gratitude and mercy but that's of course not what happens the slave leaves the king's presence without so much as a thank you and runs into a fellow slave who owes 100 denarii which is no small amount either 100 denarii 100 days wages i mean that's that's a good amount of money but he chokes him and says pay me what you owe which again if it weren't so scary would also be funny i mean what is this guy thinking where did he just come from And the gasping slave says, have patience with me and I will pay you. It's like, again, does this guy not get it? You just used those exact same words moments ago and you were forgiven. Surely he's going to figure it out, right? But no, he throws the poor bloke in prison. Something doesn't compute here. This man has every reason to forgive, but he doesn't. How could anyone be so daft? And I think that's the point. You see, forgiveness is an infinite flow of love that originates from the heart of God. And when we try to stop that flow, we end up daft and, and foolish. And ultimately, none of us can stop the flow. But when we try, we make a real mess of things. So the king hears about this and brings our hero back in and says, You wicked slave! I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And then he proceeds to torture this ingrate, taking it out of his hide, the previously forgiven debt. And then Jesus says something that I really wish he hadn't, which is, so my Heavenly Father will do to you, unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. And I just go, yikes, Jesus. Bit of a downer. The closer on your stand-up routine doesn't leave us laughing, it leaves us gasping. So how are we to understand this? Well, if this were an allegory, we might be tempted to say, well, the king is a stand-in for God. God's powerful, king's powerful. powerful easy peasy. But that creates a real problem for us. I mean, Jesus just said that we should forgive 70 times 7, and yet this king forgives only once, and then reneges on the forgiveness and uses violence as a punishment. I mean, is that who God is? Does God say, well, you know, I forgive you, but if you don't forgive others, then I'm going to take that forgiveness back. and I'll torture you instead. I mean, if there is a God, we need to be able to expect something better than that. And the God that Jesus reveals is a God of never-ending love and mercy. So this king cannot be a stand-in for God. So what if the story isn't a story that illustrates how it is we're supposed to forgive, but instead is a story about what happens when the flow of forgiveness gets stuck? Jesus invites Peter to keep forgiveness flowing, which is, of course, what we practice every week after our prayer confession, words of forgiveness. Why do we go straight to the passing of the peace? Because it isn't meant to stay with any one of us. It's meant to flow, keep forgiveness flowing. Well, a little background here might, might help a little bit. This contrast of 7 verses 77 times is an obscure reference to Genesis chapter 4. The Bible's first murder is Cain killing his brother Abel. And after he does so, he's scared that anyone who meets him will kill him. But God promises that anyone who touches Cain or tries to kill Cain will be, receive sevenfold vengeance. Well, a few generations later, one of Cain's descendants named Lamech kills a young boy for striking him. And then he says that if anyone tries to kill him, he will be avenged Seventy-seven times. You see, seven and seventy-seven. Genesis is telling us a story of what happens when violence is used to stop violence. It just multiplies and it flows unchecked. And I think that's what that last verse means. That when we stop the flow of forgiveness, we end up tortured souls. I don't think it's God who's torturing us, despite what Matthew says. It's just the inevitable result of what happens when we withhold forgiveness. See, we think that withholding forgiveness is going to hurt the person who harmed us. And it might. Oftentimes they don't care. But in the end, we can be assured of this. It's we who suffer. Jesus telling us to forgive 77 times is his way of putting an end to the spiral of violence in retribution, He sees what so few of us are able to see. That violence does not lead to justice. That retribution only leads to more violence. And the only solution is forgiveness. Not just once, or twice, or seven times, or even 77 times. But as many times as it takes. Father Greg Boyle's new book puts it, Forgive everyone, everything. That sounds sentimental or simplistic. It is not. There is nothing easy about forgiveness. It is a complex process, and it is not for the weak. It takes great soul strength to forgive. Because if there is one thing this parable does illustrate, is that forgiveness is costly does not come naturally to us. We must learn to practice it again and again until eventually maybe it becomes a little bit easier. The other thing this parable demonstrates is how much each one of us has been forgiven. My grandpa Schultz in his later years used to tell me that as he aged, he became less aware of his sins, plural, and more aware is sin and I think he's right I mean if sin are just a matter of counting up the mistakes I've made in a given week then it may not appear like all that much to me but if sin is larger than that uh, a pull towards retribution that drive towards vengeance and even self destruction then the debt is far higher than I know but thankfully, God is far more forgiving than the King in Jesus story. For God, the flow of forgiveness never ends. The psalmist says, as far as the east is from the west, so far God removes our sin from us. Aren't you glad he didn't say north to south? You know, you go north, and eventually you'll catch up and you'll start heading south. But you can go east forever and you'll never reach the West. That's how God's forgiveness works. God is a never-ending flow of forgiveness. And so Jesus tells us the truth, but he tells it slant. He makes us laugh, he makes us gasp, but in the end, the God that Jesus reveals is the one whose mercy knows no end. The flow isn't meant to stop with us, but to flow through us to everything and everyone, including ourselves. God has already forgiven us. So, what are you waiting for? Let's pray.